0: Peter turned coward. Pilate panicked. The crowd turned into a murderous mob, and Jesus stood silently, resigned to his death. That's where we left matters at the end of his trial last Sunday. He is now headed for the cross. So what's happening? How did we get here? What our passage this morning explains, and in its explanation, we will find comfort and security. And I'm reading, by the way, from John 10, verses 11 through 18. I encourage you to uh, have your Bibles open. Now, Jesus has been using sheep imagery uh, up to uh, verse 11, verses 1 through 10. He's talked about that unlike a thief who sneaks in, he is a shepherd who enters the pen where the sheep are kept. He knows the sheep and they know him. He is also the door for the sheep. Through him, his sheep pass in and out in safety, protected from the thieves who intend harm. All of this, you know, we can understand, and, and it's comforting to us. We love this image of Jesus as our shepherd caring for us. The Lord is my shepherd. But our passage that we're going to be looking at takes the image to another level. And Jesus will use that image as, as a shepherd to present his death. Five times he will speak of laying down his life. We can divide the passage into three sections that emphasize different aspects about this laying down of his life. First of all, in verses 11 to 13. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now note first of all here the contrast that Jesus makes between the shepherd to whom the sheep belong and the hired hand who works merely for wages. When danger comes, the hired hand flees. Risking his life to protect sheep from the dangerous wolf is not worth the minimum wage he receives. The good shepherd, however, cares for the welfare of the sheep. But then, that is not the exact distinction that Jesus is making. I mean, he doesn't say that the good shepherd risks his life. No, he lays down his life. He dies for his sheep. And the image we are given is not that of a shepherd fighting off the dangerous wolf, but of making himself the wolf's victim. I think most shepherds, even the good ones, would defer from being placed in that category. Think of the most famous shepherd that we know, David. He told Saul how he fought lions and bears to protect his sheep. So risking one's life is one thing; intentionally laying it down in death is another. Well, why is the Good Shepherd Jesus willing to do that? The reason is found in the the negative comments that he makes about the hired hand. The hired hand does not own the sheep. Jesus' sheep, however, belong to him. The hired hand cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus. Cares to the utmost for his sheep. To put it simply, Jesus loves his sheep. And he loves them to the fullest extent by laying down his life for them. So let's go to the next section, verses 14 to 16. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Now, in this section, Jesus is focused on how the good shepherd knows the sheep. Now, he talked about this earlier in the chapter in verses 3 and 4. Let me read that. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So Jesus knows each individual sheep, and they in turn know him. And then he compares this relationship with that of God the Father and his Son. So truly he's indicating that the relationship between Jesus and his people is an intimate one. Now, think further here. His hearers, who would include his disciples, all of them are Jews. And they would be thinking, when he speaks of this, maybe thinking of that unique relationship of Yahweh, or Jehovah, with the Jewish people. And so Jesus then adds that there are other sheep, not of the particular fold of Israel, is what he means, and, he, and he's thinking of the Gentiles. They too will be added to his flock with him being the one shepherd. Now, again, the, the odd part in all of this is the laying down of his life. I mean, think about it. Jesus could have left out the lay down clause in, um, in verse 15, and none of us would have been the wiser. Perhaps, perhaps Jesus is repeating it again so that the other sheep, whom he will bring also, so that they understand that he lays down his life for them as well. Or perhaps he wants us to realize that his laying down his life is tied up in the will of the Father. What he will do is what he and his Father have planned together. The laying down of his life is not his own idea. It is not an option. And it is for the benefit of all his sheep. Now let's go to the next section. 17 and 18. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. And there are three points to note regarding Jesus laying down his life. Okay, first of all, his father loves him all the more for doing it. Again, laying down his life is the mission on which the father sent him, sent his son. Laying down his life is the charge given to him by his father. And the second thing to note is that laying down his life defines how Jesus will die. Jesus will not die because wicked men got the better of him. He will lay down his life. His life will not be taken from him. Jesus, and Jesus alone, possesses the authority over his life. And then the third thing, and this this is really the most exciting. Jesus has authority to not only lay down his life, but to take it up again. His authority does not end at death. His authority is over death itself. Well, let's think through now the lessons that we can gain from this passage. And we'll go back to each of these uh, three uh, sections here. The first one about love. We're made to understand that love is at the center of it all. As our good shepherd, as Jesus being our good shepherd, we can take heart knowing that his actions toward us and for us, they all spring from love. He died for us out of love, and he tends to our needs now out of love. You know, we all know what it's like for someone to do something for us out of mere duty. You know, we all wish that they would just ignore us. I mean, they they do their duty begrudgingly, and especially if they deem that we're unworthy or they don't think we're appreciative enough. It could be possible to think of Jesus in such a way. We might say to ourselves, well, Jesus died for me, and and what do I have to show for it? I mean, I keep sinning. And, And I'm not thankful nearly enough. Surely he must begrudge the suffering he underwent for me. Surely he must get impatient with how little I've grown in my faith. Well, the answer is no. Because Jesus is in the shepherding business out of love. We belong to him. He loves us. He died for us precisely because we were helpless and wayward, just like sheep. And he continues to tend for us because we continue to be helpless and wayward without him. Again, Jesus is not a hired hand wondering if he could get into a more lucrative line of work or one that has a better return. We are his precious possession and he loves us no matter how many times we fall, how many times we stumble. He, out of love, picks us up again. So we are loved and we are known. We're used to getting mail from companies and clubs that address us as if they know us personally. And with modern technology, we can get our letters that even address us by our name. But the truth is, is that though we, they might know more about us than we care for them, I mean, they don't really know us, do they? And when that customer service rep asks for my name and then uses my name as though we are old friends, I mean, I know that I'm nothing more than a client account number to be logged into a computer. But our Good Shepherd knows us. He knows each of us. And he knows each of us by name. Indeed, he has known us before we knew him. And it was out of love for each of us that he chose to lay down his life. I want you to remember this. You know, we think in terms of the covenant that we are each part of a covenant people. For his people, Jesus died. And we look to the day when all his people from every nation and tribe will worship him together. But I want you to understand that you are not lost among that mass of people. Your good shepherd knows you just as you know him. And he will not lose you. He will not forget you. And I want you to remember, too, what he said about having people from another flock. The point is this. Jesus wants you to know that neither you, you personally, nor anyone else is just qualified to be his because of where you come from. There is no nation, there is no tribe, no group of people that are kept out of his flock. Nothing from your past can disqualify you. If Jesus has set his sight on you and chosen you, you will be his. And when he speaks to you, you will know his voice. And you will know that you are loved, that you belong to him, that he will not let you go. I want this to be a comfort to you who are parents and grandparents and who who worry for your covenant children. You know the pain of their straying and you worry for their salvation. And that is an appropriate concern. And you should be faithful in prayer. But pray in hope. You have more reason to believe that your children will return to the fold than not. And there are many stories of such children returning even at the strangest of times. I think of a couple of examples. I, I, I know of one fellow who returned to the Lord, to his faith in the midst of a drug overdose. I know uh, another one who who came and understood the Lord and all of his holiness while vacuuming her house. You know, your children might stray, but know that they are never lost from the sight of the good shepherd. So, we are loved, we are known by our Good Shepherd, and we are made secured. You know, our Good Shepherd, think about this, he did not lay down his life in hope that he might be able to take it up again. He did not lay down his life in in hope that it might accomplish our salvation. No, our Good Shepherd is a shepherd with authority, all authority. It is an authority given by God the Father and in complete alignment with the Father's will. So our salvation is made secure in him. No wolf can harm, no thief can steal us. We cannot stray to our doom, cannot give way to hunger or thirst or disease. For by his rod and staff, our good shepherd leads us. Now, is this all not good to know in such times as this? You know, our congregation has, has gone through a difficult time just in this last month. In less than a month, we have experienced the sudden loss of a beloved elder and church member. We've been caught up in a worldwide pandemic, and the very reason why you're listening to this at home. And we've had the further sadness of having to say goodbye to our pastor. You know, with all of this sadness and difficult times coming our way, you know, what has impressed me most during this time is learning how this congregation actually already knows everything I've said about the Good Shepherd. I've been getting emails and texts from church members and uh, responding to all of these things that are happening and actually even other personal troubles. Let me read some samples from what they have said to me. The first one, I pray that others will see the Lord's sovereignty and be drawn to him. Or another, we know that God is in control and he is right beside us. Or this one, from Moses to Mary, God has told us, do not be afraid. So why start now? Our Lord is in control. Or this one, I worship an awesome God. Or finally, this one: I know God is in control and is working His plans for all mankind. And then quotes from the Psalm: "The Lord reigns forever; your God, O Zion, to all generations." Now, these kind of responses to the troubles that are going on today—they're from people who, as Jesus put it, they know the voice of their Shepherd. They come from people who know the love of their Shepherd who know that they are known, who know that they are secure in him. You know, that's why the following verses resonate with them. I'm going to read uh, from Psalm, and from a minor prophet. The first one from Psalm 46, 1 to 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam. Though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Or this one again that all of you know from Habakkuk 3:17 and 19. Though the fig tree shall not blossom. Nor fruit be on the vines. The produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. You know, whenever I read these kind of passages from the Old Testament, I always think to myself, and they did not know what Jesus would do. And you think about that. Let's go back to Jesus' comment of laying down his life for his sheep in, in verse 11, where he says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You know, if I were there when Jesus said this, you know, to, to be honest with you, I don't think such a comment would comfort me. I'd be thinking, well, what good is a shepherd who allows himself to be killed by the wolf? I mean, that may, may be a noble action, but then it leaves the sheep defenseless. I want to hear that my good shepherd fights off the predators. I want to hear that my good shepherd is brave and mighty like King David when he was a shepherd. You don't lay down your life. Fight. Fight for me. Protect me. And if you must die, well, then, then die in the fight with your rod and your staff flying or, or pull out your sword and, and swing it while going down. Make your enemies fight to take your life. Don't lay it down. You know, I, I, I'm sure I would have been like Peter. You know, when he was overcome with, with fear, when his good shepherd told him to put up his sword and then quietly yielded himself to his captors. I would have been like the rest of the disciples who scattered when I, I saw my shepherd struck down. I would have been like Pilate, panicking, when the supposed king who I know is innocent, quietly allows his enemies to win his conviction. The Messiah, the shepherd king, come to save his people, walking calmly to his death. It would have made no sense. And never would I have understood that by laying down his life, my good shepherd was actually delivering me from the wolf, from sin, from the devil, from death. Never would I have understood that he was fighting and winning the greatest battle of all by being arrested, by being tried and beaten, by being crucified. See, it was this determination of Jesus to go forth in such a battle. See, that that makes sense now of what, what it was that baffled and undid Peter, what caused his disciples to, to run away, what, what caused Pilate to panic. And it is actually what his enemies completely missed. But let us remember also this, that Jesus would use his authority not only to lay down his life, but to take it up again. I tell you, a shepherd who dies but then rises back to life stronger than before, and that's a very good shepherd to have. For his sacrifice then not only saved me once against the foe, but assures that he will protect and defend me always. Let's remember this, brothers and sisters. We do not commemorate a dead champion. We celebrate the sacrifice, the laying down of a life, so that our Good Shepherd would all the more be exalted and given rule over every authority that exists. Our Good Shepherd tends to our needs now, he protects us now. Satan and his forces may still try to harm us and steal us, but nothing and no one can snatch us out of our shepherd's hand. He intercedes for us now. He is preparing our room in glory now. And he will keep his promise to return and bring us to his home. What then can temporary troubles do to us when we have such a good shepherd? Truly, we have to say with David, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a wondrous hope. What a wondrous love.